Hello and welcome to the Horror Court Trash Show, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And as our intro song told you, it's prom night. It is. Everything's alright for one half of this, but everything is certainly not alright for the other <laughs> half of this. That's so true. So, uh, it's original versus remake time again. I know yeah. we've been doing Pride Month, but, you know... Uh, I wouldn't really say this is tied into that, so we won't be doing our What Makes It Gay, although 2008 does have a predatory lesbian teacher. Predatory? I wouldn't say predatory. That's wow. I mean, she was a teacher and she was trying to fuck that. No, she was. She, she was. It's a bit harsh. She was a lesbian, seemingly, but... Um, she was a bit predatory. No, she wasn't. She was just so, being... Cut. You're going to win tonight because you are beautiful. Yeah. Well, she, she, well she, she did win, and she was In all fairness, it probably looked creepy because of the terrible acting. Yeah. So, yeah, we're but talking... But also, the, the original's super camp. Yeah, I mean, the, the killer... Super camp. The killer wears a glittery balaclava. Yeah, and there's many, many disco dancing moments. Well, yeah, there, there is a whole sequence that could be uh, go down in gay history. Yeah. For the greatest moment of uh, queer cinema. <laughs> but, um... On paper, it's not gay. No. Um, so, original versus remake time, and we're doing prom night, as we've just mentioned. First of all, we'll start with your results of the poll. 89% voted the original. 11% said the 2008 remake was better than the original. I'm judging you. I'm not even going to hold back. I'm fucking judging you. This is terrible. Ugh. How can anyone enjoy this shit? Finger slipped. Maybe, maybe yeah. we forgive it's you. The only way I could imagine. Yeah, you can't. You can't go back after you make a mistake. The remake. Yeah. Um. Ugh, no. I mean, the people that have commented that they enjoyed the remake have said that they enjoyed the killer in it and that he was really vicious. Well, no, that's what made it shit. We're completely out of place. Mm. Completely out of place. Well, starting in nineteen eighty, Prom Night uh, is a slasher movie directed by Paul Lynch, who made absolutely nothing else of note. Just loads of straight to TV stuff. Mm-hmm. It was made on a $1.5 million budget and it was a success. Yes. So it was slap bang in the middle of the slasher craze. Yeah. It looks like it was made in the 70s. Let's face it. <laughs> it's very dated and uh, we'll get into it, but it, it is very disco themed, which by 1980 was dated. Yeah. So, now, here we are, 40 years later, and by God, is it a dated oh, yeah. film. It adds to the charm, though. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, absolutely, but, yeah. So, we watched, uh, over Christmas, we watched the sequels as well, so we've seen every Prom Night film now. Um, yeah. And some facts about that, Brock Simpson is the only actor to appear in all four movies. And the line, it's not who you come with, it's who you take home, also appears in all four movies. And the only connection they share is the school. Brock Simpson is she? Was she one of the young kids then? He oh, was uh, one of the young kids. <laughs> Thanks for misgendering someone within the first five minutes of our podcast episode, Excuse Chris. Me, well, I don't know. <laughs> Bro- what fucking woman do you know called Brock? I thought you said Brock. I said Brock. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said Brock. Great start. Paul Lynch had difficulty scoring finance until Jamie Lee Curtis signed on. Which is, this is actually leads me to quite a harsh trivia fact. Eve Plum was signed on. She was ready to play the role. She was about to go into filming. 
And Jamie Lee Curtis like, oh, I'm interested in this film. They're like, fuck off, Eve. We've got Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> and they literally sacked Eve Plum because Jamie Lee Curtis signed on. It's a business. I mean, it? thank God, because we all know she's my favourite actress. And she earns a slamey Lee Curtis name in this film. I don't think the film would have been the same without How her. No. She, she brings a charm. She's Her and Leslie Nielsen seem to be the only ones that can act. <laughs> um, he, although Leslie Nielsen is a little iffy <laughs> at points he, he's barely in it to be fair um, but yeah um, I suppose you need a big name with oh, these right, sort got two of films I suppose this was before Airplane weren't it oh he would have been He yeah he probably would have been more famous at this point for Naked Gun TV show was that already out by no, the stage no Mich- no not was at he all. in Mission Impossible the TV no, show he, in uh, no, he wasn't in Mission Impossible. He was sort of like a, just a supporting actor in oh. old Hollywood films, like B movies. Really, he would have had a name for it for himself. Mm. Um, he would have been quite similar to um, who we were discussing the other week, who had a bit of a lull. When I say Malcolm McDowell, maybe who was was in supporting roles mainly, but he was a name. Um, Tab Hunter. Tab Hunter. Yeah. Tab Hunter, who had a name back in the day, as it went on. I mean, these films were released around similar time, within yeah. a, sort of a year of each other. Um, so those old Hollywood actors weren't getting the work. No. And a lot of them turned to genre cinema, uh, mainly horror. Um, so, so you had people like Leslie Nielsen, um, Jack Palance... Um, you know, go into horror and mm. really cheapo horror, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, you know, there weren't all Gregory Peck being in The Omen. <laughs> you know, mm. it was uh, Max, Max von Sydow in uh, The Exorcist. It was cheapo, filmed in Canada, slasher films that would have, you know, one sort of big star. Prom Night had... Too. I mean, you still get this nowadays. Oh, yeah. Every now and then. I mean, look, uh, Carrie Fisher, Sorority Row. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. technically, Jamie Lee Curtis of Halloween, it may have been where she started off, but she went on to things like A Fish Called Wanda since then, you know, so... Yeah. But um, speaking of the Queen herself, she did all her own stunts during the ending. <laughs> uh, what stunts? Show some... <laughs> Uh, she fell the over. battle. She fell over a couple of times. When she protected her boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, and hang on, stunts. What about the dancing? That that could have been stunts alone. <laughs> I wasn't stunting. That was stunning. Well, um, the body count is eight, which is at high for nineteen eighty. It's before we got to the point where Friday the Thirteenth started killing off hundred people per film. So. Yeah, it's always slower in the first film, isn't it? Uh, composer Paul Zaza wrote all the disco songs in five days because it was originally going to include actual disco songs, but they couldn't get the copyright, so they had five days. And he wrote something I know you really want to discuss here. What did he write? The soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, are we discussing the soundtrack? Well, we'll go into now. it a little later, but what's your thoughts on the soundtrack? It's... <laughs> <laughs> you can tell they couldn't get the rights to actual disco songs because they all sound like the same <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah, but they all sound like there's one that sounds like I Will Survive. Yeah, 
Um, like, really sounds like... Like, it literally survive. sounds like it's took the backing track from I Will Survive put lyrics over the top of it. But, you know, my God, if we need to buy a soundtrack on vinyl, it's this one. The songs are incredible. The lyrics are so generic. It is like... It's like it's one of those albums you hear in Poundland, but better. It, yeah. It, it's like all the songs from Carrie's uh, prom. Um, and... This film is trying to be Carrie yeah. as well, you know. Uh, it's trying to be Halloween and Carrie together. Uh, but if you took all the songs from Carrie's prom and sort of turned them up to a new level, <laughs> um, that, that's what you'd get here. And it goes on so long as well. I mean, we get to, this, we get to the yeah, entire soundtrack. But some songs... It, within the film, it clearly on repeat. Oh, yeah. I mean, you heard the one from the beginning. I mean, that's the level we're at. The, the song we played during the intro, that is a level you're at with the soundtrack. Yeah. So, uh, it originally had a PG rating, but... Which is... This is quite an interesting comparison to the remake, actually, because this originally had a PG, and they actually added more violence to get an R rating because they thought people wouldn't go and see it if it was a PG. Yeah. Uh, and I'll explain a little more about the remake in comparison to that end shortly. Um, well, who wants to watch a PG slasher film? Well, exactly, exactly. But oh. again, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Um, famous for being one of the only slasher films with a sympathetic killer. Yeah, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our favourite critic, Gene Siskel, called this a watered-down version of Halloween meets Carrie, like you yeah. just said. Which it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I agree with him on that one because it is <laughs> uh, Paul Lynch originally wanted the film to be about a psychotic jo- uh, gynecologist <laughs> oh do you think that's been made since a psychotic gynecologist <laughs> I d- I, I've never watched it I've not watched it if uh, it does exist yeah, I'm assuming a, it does let's have a look out for that yeah um, Casey Stevens only did one more movie after this and sadly died of AIDS in 1986 and he briefly dated Jamie Lee Curtis um, who did he play? He, I believe, he played her boyfriend. Oh, okay. In fact, I know he played a boyfriend because there's another fact here saying that he had to get a dance double in for dance stunts because he couldn't keep up with this Slay Queen's dancing. There we go. Told you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Her dancing slays to the point her partner could not keep up with her and had to get a stunt double. <laughs> what can you say about that? Should have brought in John Travolta. Should have, yeah. He kept up with her in uh, Perfect. Well, John Travolta's already in this film for Monobrow, hasn't he? It's a little, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, just, you know, for anyone who hasn't seen this, John Travolta actually isn't in this film, but his character is ripping off John Travolta's character from Carrie, like, to the extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, t- there's two characters <laughs> who pretty much look like um, stunt doubles <laughs> for Nancy <laughs> Allen and John Travolta. From massive monobrow. With the fire force at hair. <laughs> so, this brings us to 2008, the golden age of remakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is directed by Nelson McCormick, the director of the Stepfather remake, and for which he stands. I have no idea from what for which he stands like is like. Oh, was that the name of the film? Yeah, I thought he the stood step- for Stepfather <laughs> remake. But he did, and uh, I was like, oh, he took it that seriously." I've seen it, and I, 
I thought it was alright when I first watched it. I've watched a lot of films since then, so I'm not going to comment any further, because it's probably absolute trash now. This was uh, made on a $20 million budget, and somehow it was a success. I, I don't know how. People watch any old shit. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't like to judge people for their taste. You can watch and enjoy whatever you like. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here for that. But for me personally, I cannot fathom what could be enjoyed out of that film. The only way I could justify it is if you're eight years old or younger. Yeah. Like, and this is the first ever horror film we've it's, watched. Yeah. It's not even a fucking horror film. No. It's no, really not. It, it's It's awful. It is true dog shit. It is terrible. It is stupid. It thinks that we're stupid. Yeah, it's insulting. It is. It is. So this is this brings me back to the rating thing about the original. So this is the first slasher film to be rated PG thirteen in America. Um, it has an unrated version. It adds one minute, which is still tame enough for a PG thirteen. Obviously, they wanted this this rating for a bigger audience. Granted, they succeeded, but look at the difference between nineteen eighty and two thousand and eight. Nineteen eighty. They were unhappy with a PG rating. They wanted an R rating so they could get an audience. 2008, they wanted a PG-13 rating so they could get an audience. What the fuck happened? Money. Money talks. But they made money in 1980. When did this... I mean, that would have been in the midst of the video nasties, wouldn't it? Yeah. So... You can't even say that changed it. What on earth changed it? But this... So, what I would assume is that in 2008, a lot of hardcore horror fans, you know, myself included, Mm. were getting fed up of all the shite that was being released in the cinema. Yeah. All these remakes, unoriginal, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them really unrelated to the original, Mm. just with the name slapped on. Um, this is case in point, this fucking film. Yeah. Absolutely fuck all to do with the original. Um, so, you know, those hardcore horror fans may have been a little sceptical about even going to see it. But that's the thing. So you're widening your audience for a younger audience. The problem, the thing is in America, it's completely different here. So in, in the UK, it's you, anyone can see it, PG, they might be ever so slightly racy yeah. things or ever so slightly violent, you know, but everyone can see it. 12, you have to be it's over 12. 12. No, it's 12A now. 12A. Um, Same as in PG. the cinema. So in the cinema, it's a 12A. If anyone's over 12, then they have to be accompanied by an adult. Mm-hmm. Then we have 15, where you have to be over 15 to watch it, and 18, where you have to be over 18 to watch it. In America, they have PG-13, yeah, which I'm assuming is... Um, 13 years old or younger has to be accompanied by an adult, I assume. But, but at what age? Because their R rating is anyone younger than 18, or 17, I think it is, mm. has to be accompanied by an adult. I don't understand the rating systems in America anyway, because, I mean, anyone could go and see anything they want as long as they've got an adult with them. Yeah. I mean, apart from an NC-17. Um... That doesn't make sense to me. It, it it doesn't make sense because, I mean, imagine if that was in the UK. We have a bad enough time as it is with fucking teenagers when we see a 15-rated film at the cinema. Imagine America. Yeah. It'd be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, but 
But it's that audience that they wanted to yeah. grab. Yeah. So, so all those fans or horror film fans who are over 18 mm. weren't going to go watch it. So they weren't going to take anyone younger than no. 18 or 17 to watch it. So for them to want to secure a PG-13 mm. widens their audience. Yeah. Because when you're serving up absolute watered down dog shit like this, absolute fucking diarrhea bollocks like this film, then you need to widen your audience. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Next month's original versus remake, we're doing Hills of Eyes. Hills of Eyes was released... I'm going to go on a whim here and say 2006, maybe? Mm. That's two years prior to this. Hills of Eyes remakes better than the original. What the fuck's your excuse to prom night? The Hills of Eyes remake, you can tell, is made by somebody who loves the genre. Well, it's Alexandra Asher, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But he, he wasn't making that for the studio. He no. wasn't making that for the box office, necessarily. Yeah. You know, film is a business. He wanted to make yeah. money. But where he wanted to make his money was from those hardcore horror fans yeah. that wanted to see something new. Yeah. Something different. Mm -hmm. In horror, and particularly at that time, it meant being more violent. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. That's a lot of horror film fans won't want or are disappointed when a film isn't gory. Mm. A lot of horror yeah. film fans are that. The Prom Night remake, I don't think, was made by anyone who likes no, horror films. No, no. It's not even just Hills of Eyes. you got fucking Antiful Horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, My Friday, Bloody Valentine. Friday the 13th, My Bloody Valentine, um, I mean, Last House on the Left. All these remakes that, you know, some are better than the original, some are not. But either way, all of what we've just mentioned are good films. Remake or not, they're good films. This wasn't even a good film. No. It... I don't understand who watched Prom Night, the original Prom Night, and thought, and thought this, this dog shit. I, I really but don't... I don't think they did. I don't think they watched the original and thought we're going to do a remake. They saw the original or saw a poster for the original, we were aware of it, thought, do you know what, Prom Night, that's a great Do you think that was even a title? title? Do you think that was even a title I wouldn't be with? surprised. It's not in the facts. No. And, you know, this is purely... Um, just us making this up. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they filmed this title, uh, this film under a different name, called it uh, Prom Night Killer or some shit. Because there is a prom night involved. Yeah, but it's not as big a part of the story as the original, but it's involved. They could have just called it Hotel. Well, it the thing is, this story could have taken place anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere, like you said, it could have just been called Hotel, Hotel Killer. It feels like more of a remake of My Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen. My Super Psycho Sweet Sixteen are PG thirteen rated slashers made specifically for MTV. Mm. That's what you expect from it. That's why those films are fun. This isn't even fun because you're going to it watching a remake of a fucking gory slasher film, and you get this. This wasn't the original had its gory moments, but it wasn't massively... It's a bit like Halloween, you know? Yeah. Halloween wasn't that gory. Um, but I don't think that this remake was made for us. No. Well, or um, who I was back in 2008. That wasn't made for me. That was made for 
a general audience. It's a Twilight audience. Maybe the Twilight audience. Probably, let's be honest, who didn't really want to watch real horror, like mm. real horror, um, but wanted to watch a scary movie yeah. on date night. So they went to see Prom Night. Well, I mean, continue with the trivia, because we'll get a little more into this shortly. Um, <laughs> it has absolutely no connections to the original living in the title. And IMDb says the concept, but no, not even the concept. It's just the title. Yeah. Um, Scout Taylor Compton originally considered for the role of Donna. Do you know what? You might as well have just made it even worse and cast her. <laughs> you know who that is, don't you? I do, yes. Scott Porter uh, is seven years older than Brittany Snow. And uh, David Davis is 12 years older than her. But they all play school kids. The same age. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens and... In fairness, the original. Oh, yeah. Well, they, <laughs> they all are in the 40s. certainly weren't in high school. Vanessa Hudgens and Fernanda Romero were turned down roles. Vanessa Hudgens was turned down. Oh, no, sorry, they turned they down. Turned they turned down. down. Excuse sorry. me, I was going to say. It's got a body count of 13, and there's a few references here that I'm going to list off that claim to have been nods to the original. Claire's uh, dress and hair was based on Wendy's. Bullshit. Lisa's chase was based on Wendy's chase. Bullshit. Lisa's death was based on Kelly's death. Bullshit. Those are just coincidences. There's no... I'm sorry. No. That is just bullshit. That is straight up bullshit. That is the filmmakers trying to act like they knew what the original was. But then... Wendy's chase in the original isn't... It's not not exactly original. I I know, yeah. It's not... You know, if she was chased through, um, you know, a swimming pool full of um, maggots, then, okay, that's an original concept. But she was just chased through a school. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing like that. it's nothing even like the remake. I don't see how it's inspired it's by it. So, go ahead with 1980. Let's uh, hear a summary. Okay, so we are introduced to a group of kids who are playing hide-and-seek in an abandoned building. No, they're playing kill. Kill. Well, it's the same thing. <laughs> so it's kill. So it's hide-and-seek, but instead of saying, I found you, or whatever you say during hide-and-seek, they say... The killers found you. I'm going to kill you, or something like and then, that. Yeah, and then they start chatting kill. Then they, yeah. It looks like they're urban exploring. The, yeah, so the, the original urban explorers before <laughs> uh, YouTube made it so popular. Uh, and they're playing kill, hide and seek, or whatever the fuck they're playing. And uh, three more kids uh, appear at the abandoned building. Um, one older who suddenly has to go for some reason. Um, and then two other kids who are brother and sister. And you can tell that because they're wearing exactly the same top. <laughs> Black and white horizontal striped top. So they join in. The, the brother sort of disappears somewhere. And the girl, um, she's caught, even though she wasn't really taking part in the game. Uh, the kids gang up on her, um, shouting kill, kill, kill. Um, they kind of edge her towards a window. And she falls out. She falls out the window, lands on um, some glass and, and shit on the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she's killed. Um, the kids make a pact to never speak about it. And they flee. But somebody has seen. Because we see a shadow over the girl's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to three years. Is it three years later? No, no way. Six no. years later? Six years later. 
I have it written down. I don't know why I asked. <laughs> so six years later, Leslie Nielsen is the father of the girl that died. Uh, him and his wife. Yeah. And his two kids. So these are the two kids from the original. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Kim is her name? Yeah. Yeah, Kim, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And her brother, played by someone else. Uh, <laughs> And her brother is played by Michael Tuff. Michael Tuff. What's his brother's name? <laughs> Alex. Alex. There we go. I I don't know why, but I really struggled with the names during this <laughs> film. Really, I mean, there's two. Uh, the brother and the boyfriend look very similar. Um, that was confusing. But, yeah. Oh my god. In a really weird way. So much with the names. So Leslie Nielsen is the principal of the school. It's prom night tonight. So yeah. everyone's getting ready at Alexander Hamilton High School. Um, we're introduced to Jude and uh, she gets a creepy call about the prom. So we're assuming she's, well, she is one of the kids from, uh, that killed the young girl. Uh, Kelly gets a creepy call. It's another kid. Ricky misses his. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Ricky is Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend. Um, yeah. We get a flashback to a death of a sex offender. So the police believe that the girl was killed by a sex offender uh, who they chased and he was burnt in a fire. Yeah. And uh, somehow he's escaped, uh, which is a weird red herring because I don't... <laughs> it's absolutely... Spoiler it's, got it's not It's him. got nothing to do with the story. <laughs> oh, I don't know who the red herring's I for. I mean, it's good to throw you off, I suppose. I mean, you, there's no way you're going to think it's who it is As if you're thinking it's this fucking random guy. I mean, I weren't buying it. <laughs> um, and the first time I watched it, I wasn't buying it. I was like, why are they giving us this really boring backstory to a, a, some sex offender that got burnt? Um, and then Wendy, who's the really bitchy one, so she's the one who made yeah. the pack the uh to not um tell anyone so she gets her creepy call and uh jamie but, practices her dancing yeah so it's just a lot of high school stuff um lou is who is the john travolta type the mm -hmm. uh billy monobrow. nolan billy nolan type um he's got a monobrow uh, yeah he, he's not attractive are we meant to believe he's attractive uh, like I, the hunk of the school he, I don't I really don't think so <laughs> um, yeah but he's he's being really creepy uh, a body is found at the abandoned building from the beginning it's a young woman brutally murdered uh, they believe it's the disfigured sex offender who's escaped <laughs> um, yeah so Jamie Lee practices her bitching dance moves alone in the gym <laughs> Uh, Wendy's a bit of a cunt to her about the dance moves and, and the fact that Jamie's boyfriend is Wendy's ex. So, mm -hmm. there's lots of tension there. Girl, um, We see a gloved uh, person ripping the culprit's picks out of the yearbook. So, all the people that led... To, is the name Alice that died? Maybe. It might be. Um, Jamie Lee gets uh, sexually assaulted by Lou in the cafeteria. So he's got the uh, balaclava that the killer wears. Mm -hmm. um, and he forces a kiss on her. Alex, her boyfriend, defends her and he gets beaten up. No, no, Alex, her brother. Fuck me. <laughs> okay, this one's understandable. They do look identical. They do. They look so similar. 
Alex, the brother, defends her and gets. I didn't realize that they were two different people until they shared a script, a scene together. <laughs> Lou gets suspended by Leslie Nielsen. Uh, the police officer has a really boring voiceover for, like, he's staring out a window just thinking about this sex offender. I really don't well, know where this you, part of the You missed something out. What the fuck did I miss? Prior to that, we get a scene that was replicated in Scream. Oh, yeah, of him getting suspended. Yeah, Lou I just thought suspended. we mention him because we spoke about Scream the other week. Okay. So the, the scene where in, in Scream where, I forgot his name. Fonzie, mm-hmm. as the mask and everything, it is practically a replica of this this scene with Leslie Nelson. It's thought it'd be an interesting fact to throw in. Thank you. Continue. So, oh, Robin. Robin is Jamie Lee's sister that yeah. died. So it's the anniversary of Robin's death. Robin's day. And it, Rob, it is Robin's <laughs> day. That's what they call it. And this would have been her first prom. So this is where the whole prom night yeah. fits Makes into sense. the story. Yeah, where it fits. And Ricky almost confesses to what happened. So this school is um, strangely very near a cliff um, with absolutely no guards or fencing up. <laughs> so during lunch break, um, Jamie, uh, I keep calling it Jamie. His name's Kim, isn't it? Yeah. Kim and Ricky go for a little romantic stroll right by the cliff edge. And he's about to confess, uh, but she has to leave, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. She has to rush back to school because um, she is the prom queen. But she has dances to practice. God. Yeah, she's got, she got to practice her dances and getting crowned or something. It's very weird because, um, I mean, we, a prom isn't really a thing here in the UK, or at least it wasn't when I was in school. I think it is now. But I always thought the prom queen and king were announced on the night. Yeah. These, these lot have like, loads of time to prepare. Yeah, um, it is quite weird. <laughs> Uh, Lou and Wendy are up to no good, and they're planning something for prom night, mm. which we don't we don't know. Got some pig's blood. Pig's blood. Yeah, pretty. We might as well. <laughs> it's such a rip off of Carrie. Um, a mirror's broken in the girls' locker room when uh, Kim and some other girl are there. Um, Kim's got her uh, top open. Old Jamie. She she hasn't quite gone legit, no. but um she's she's got an open top, so she's got a bra, and the, this is probably the, the, I say iconic image from the film. This is the most well known image when she mm. goes, so she goes outside to uh, inspect to see where this who's broken the mirror, and she she doesn't do a top up before she goes outside <laughs> for some reason, um, a piece of the glass from the mirror is missing. Perfectly in the shape of something you could stab someone with. Um, we have an obligatory weird janitor-looking creepy moment. <laughs> he just happens to be about. He actually had something wrong with him. This is so fucking harsh. It is, yeah. Like, they played him out to be this right fucking weirdo. And he generally had something wrong with his speech and stuff. He had an accident prior to this. Yeah. What, the actor? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like, genuinely. I mean, it was his idea to put the tape on the glasses to make him look a little greasy, but... Like, other than that, the way they play him out to be a right creep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah genuinely had something wrong with him. Oh, no. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> so they have a creepy, starey moment. Um, so uh, that's another red herring for us. Um, prom rehearsals for the Queen and King. Uh, Kim's left alone in the school halls for some reason. Um, and she hears weird noises. 
Um, so we're led to believe that Kim is a potential victim, mm. um, but that never, that, that that's never a thing. Yeah, like, because Halloween made money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that. I know. But um, really, this scene doesn't make any sense because no. what, the killer's not stalking her. Um, so a creepy figure standing. Oh, I have absolutely no idea what I wrote here. <laughs> Um, probably doesn't mean anything. They find, they find the pictures with pieces of glass on them. For the other girls. Oh, they do, yeah, yeah. And then this is when we get to prom night. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know what so I right. wrote there. Clearly not important. Um, so, yeah, everyone's getting ready for prom night. Everyone's really excited. Uh, they're at the prom. Usual prom shit with people chatting to each other and whatnot. Um... Then we get the prom night super dance. Well, I mean, from the moment Jamie Lee gets in there, she's like Lulu from Polyester. She does not stop dancing, but she is proper going for it. Like, when she's dancing with Leslie Nelson, he's just standing there moving a little bit. And she is proper fucking going for it. Yeah, but this this scene... So you get the <laughs> whole of the song, Yeah, and there's a choreographed dance routine. But why are they doing it for? To the whole of the song, because it's prom night. Everyone's yeah. Yeah. And because they're showing, um, they're showing John Travolta and Nancy Allen what they can do. I thought this was prepared beforehand. Yeah, it was to get at them. Oh, yes, okay. They walk, so um, Mona oh. Brown and Wendy walk in. They stare at them and like, and she's like, "Come on, let's show them what we can do." And then launches into the greatest scene in cinema history. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> try and describe the dance. It's hard. It's like a more fluid version of um, Crispin Glover in uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. So it's less aggressive. More Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, and more Saturday Night Fever. But the the arms are going oh, here, there and yeah. everywhere. The legs... She's doing fucking high kicks. The legs are going here, there and everywhere. She's doing the leg kicks. Um... <laughs> fantastic dancer I mean you know you've got this scene um, you've got True Lies yeah. she's doing a sexy little dance perfect she's got perfect when she's doing her aerobics <laughs> oh yeah so um, Kelly's getting it on with her boyfriend so Kelly's one of the girls from the beginning um, she's getting it on in the locker room um, she's got a top off but she's not feeling it she you know she doesn't want to lose her virginity in the fucking boys' locker room at school. <laughs> it's a bit trashy, isn't it? So he storms off, because if she ain't putting out, someone is tonight. Um, it's a very nice, very nice lad. <laughs> um, and she gets her throat slit, and she's putting her clothes back on. Um, then, back to the prom, Kim sees her boyfriend, Ricky, talking to Wendy, and she storms off. Nothing really becomes of this. No. Um, I'm not sure why that was added in. Just a, just a little bit of teenage drama for the film, you know. Uh, Jude is post-coital in the back of a van. With Slick. So, with Slick. So, um, yeah, Jude's another one from the beginning. Um, so, her boyfriend goes for a piss. Uh, they decide... To, this scene is far too long. It doesn't need to be this long. <laughs> So, they've just finished having sex. He goes off to the tree for a piss. Goes back. 
they decide that they want to go make out on the grass, <laughs> which isn't too far away. Then they hear a weird noise, and her boyfriend wants to go back to the van <laughs> to smoke a joint. So the killer's watching them throughout the whole thing. They go back to the van, they smoke a spliff in the van, and Jude's leaning against the doors of the van. They get opened, her head falls back, and she gets, like, stabbed in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. And then the boyfriend punches the killer (laughs) and starts driving away, but the killer manages to catch up with the van, jump in the van, climb in the van, attacks the boyfriend and jumps out the van just in time before this van goes off the cliff. Honestly, and it explodes. my second favourite scene in the film, <laughs> amongst my top ten favourite slasher scenes ever. How fucking ridiculous. It's a little much. But I love it. It is amazing. It's such a long scene. <laughs> um, so the creepy janitor is hanging around the prom, uh, drinking, because he's an alcoholic as well as a weirdo. <laughs> Uh, Wendy is in the ladies alone. Uh, she's joined by an unknown figure that we can't see, and she asks if they have any mascara. They don't. The lights are switched off, and the killer misses Wendy with an axe. And in another scene that's a bit too long, <laughs> uh, Wendy is chased here, there, and everywhere. So Wendy is chased around the empty parts of the school, so in the halls. So there's no one else around. You'd think doors would have been locked or mm-hmm. something, you know, with these silly kids at prom, uh, but no. She hides in a classroom. Then she escapes to the garage or the car workshop or whatever it is and hides in a car. She escapes from there. This is, I'm making it sound quick. It's not quick. And the killer joins her each time and she's hiding. <laughs> so she escapes again and hides in a store cupboard. Kelly's body is revealed... For some, you know how these dead bodies in slasher films suddenly come to life <laughs> randomly. So that happens to Kelly. She suddenly props up, and Wendy tries to flee, but is caught and killed with the axe. No, I've cut a long story short there. Yeah. Um, Leslie Nielsen is missing. That's all I've got written. <laughs> never, never read her. <laughs> so Leslie Nielsen is missing. I.e., they couldn't afford. Leslie M- Nielsen for the whole of the film, so they might as well use him as a red herring for the killer. Uh, the janitor tells... Uh, so the janitor starts to tell everyone that a killer is loose. So I don't know where the janitor... What the janitor saw. <laughs> no, yeah. um, there was no indication that he saw anything. Um, but apparently he knows that a killer is loose. Um, if, it's, if, he, if he found a dead body, surely they should have believed him. Mm. But he's a weirdo and an alcoholic, so um, he's chucked out, actually, because no one believes him. Um, so the crowning is about to start, and Lou and his buddies are up to something, so mm. he's going to carry on what him, him and Wendy were going to do. Um, Ricky is tied up and dragged off backstage by Lou and his buddies. Um, with Lou taking his place as the king. What a shit plan. Of the prom. I think the idea was that Lou was going to be prom king yeah. and Wendy was going to be prom queen. Maybe. But, well, yeah, because Wendy weren't meant to be dead. That wasn't in the no, plan. That's true. Um, but the killer is lurking b- backstage with an axe. 
The big moment arrives and the killer, believing Lou was actually Ricky, chops his head off. (laughs) (laughs) His big fucking stupid monobar ends up on the stage. So his head gets cut off and rolls onto the stage (laughs) in what is probably the best scene of the film, to be fair. At least the best kill. Third best scene in the film. At least the best kill. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the killer accident after beheading someone accidentally like strikes the um, electric cables <laughs> and shocks himself and knocks himself out <laughs> on the ground. Everyone at the prom screams and runs away. But Kim goes to find Ricky backstage. Mm-hmm. The killer awakens and tries to attack Ricky specifically with the axe. So he doesn't actually try to attack Kim at all, does he? No. It's just him trying to stop him. Um, I'm saying him. Yeah, to him. Whatever. Um, trying to kill Ricky. So Kim manages to hit the killer with the axe, mm-hmm. the blunt side of the axe. Uh, it was the blunt side, wasn't I it? I think so. I, I mean, that axe has just cut someone's head clean yeah. off. If it had been the sharp side, then it would have been split in half. <laughs> uh, and she recognises his eyes, doesn't she, before mm. he flees. So he gets whacked. Tries to run outside, but she sees the eyes and she knows who it is now. Uh, the police are there. They got there pretty quick. And the killer collapses, comforted by Kim. She pulls off the balaclava and it's her brother. Mm-hmm. It's her brother. So he must have been the one that saw uh, his sister killed. Yeah, we get a flashback to that. Yeah, and he's decided to take revenge six years later at prom night. Rather than actually telling the police at the time, uh-huh. for some inexplicable reason, he could have just told them what he saw. A mix for a better film. Yeah. And uh, he says they killed her, Robin. And he dies. Yeah, from... I'm not sure why he dies. I don't know why he dies, because he just got whacked on the head with the axe. <laughs> um, and then we get an incredible ballad about fading <laughs> to black. Over the credits, yeah. as Kim cries with her brother in her arms. And we'll, we'll, you'll get to hear that at the end of this episode. We have it lined up for you. <laughs> and that is Prom Night 1980. Quintessential slasher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, heightened... There are moments that make it better than your average slasher film from the time. But it, it's obviously not Halloween. No. It's not. But, now we spoke about a good film, you know what it's time for now. The dog shit. Starting off in 2008 with a Screen Gems logo. Now you know that's a bad sign. <laughs> One strange calls. Yeah. We get a, a cover of Time of Season. Yes, the zombies. A really shit slow cover. So immediately we know uh, the soundtrack isn't going to be as good as the original. And uh, we see Donna, who's played by Brittany Snow, and her family is murdered. Uh, she finds her dad dead, her brother's dead, and she watches her mum get killed in front of her. Whilst her mum is staring straight at her, which was fucking really selfish, because the killer could have actually seen that she was staring under the bed where she was hiding and murdered her. But anyway, uh, so Donna survives... And uh, as she goes outside, she gets stabbed by this killer and we realise it's all a dream because it's a remake, so we've got to have a dream sequence. She wakes up, but she's actually talking to a psychiatrist, uh, talking about her traumatic experience and find out what happened was all real, apart from her getting killed at the end, unfortunately. 
Donna and her friends are all getting their hair done, whilst a bit of Silverstone pickups plays in the background. We find out that Donna lives with her aunt and uncle, uh, and uh, after they have a little talk and we realise that, you know, prom night's her big night coming up soon, and we find out she stopped taking her pills, uh, and her date turns up to take her to prom, and oh, it's so romantic, isn't it? Yeah, it... He's got a corsage, doesn't he, for yeah. her. And she's got a little rose or whatever. And everyone's just like, the dialogue in this scene just consists of, oh, oh, oh my God, oh. It is. It's like some shit teen drama. So, um, we get the limo journey and all of her friends are there now. We've got Claire and Lisa and their boyfriends. Claire and Lisa. Yeah. Just like steps. What about fair? Um, <laughs> And they're all, uh, they're all going to the prom, and they're having a bitch about uh, the the mean girl Chrissy, and uh, and Lisa says one word, rich bitch, <laughs> and then and then uh, Donna reminds her, no hyphen, hyphen it, hyphen. <sighs> the height of the dialogue <laughs> in this film. Um, so they all arrive at the prom. They all had the pictures taken, and then we're introduced to Idris Elba playing Detective Wynn. And Idris Elba in this film seems to forget what accent he wants to do because it is constantly in and out oh all the time God. between British really... and American. And you know, I like Idris Elba, um, but oh my God, this accent is horrendous. He's alerted about the uh, the serial killer on the loose. Well, the, the the guy who murdered the family at the start. He's broken out of the asylum. Uh, so the idea was that the guy who killed her family was after her. He believed that they belonged to get... Was yeah, he some we, this is of... where we get the, the backstory. So, because mm. it's a remake, we have to have an elaborate backstory. So he's an obsessed school teacher. He had a restraining order put out against him. He, he really wanted to go out with Donna. And he killed her family to get to her. Obviously. Um, we find out he's... Uh, and also, the other detective, uh, Detective Nash, is played by the guy from Sinister and the guy who plays Eddie in It. Is he? Yep, that's him. Really? Uh, yep. Which It? It Chapter 2. Is he really? Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, he's played by him, and it's quite shocking, really, because he's a really good actor in both of those films, um, but in this... He and the rest of the cast all seem to have forgot how to act. So the killer's at the prom. Uh, He's had a shave and he's wearing a cap. So he looks like he's wearing a disguise in the MCU when they're trying to go undercover. Uh, And he's watching Donna. And Chrissy turns up. She has a little bitch with the uh, the other girls. And uh, Lisa says to her, Chrissy, your dress. It's so simple. It's so you. Probably the actual best line of dialogue in the film. Um, the the place that they're having the prom in the hotel looks like a massive conference hall with some disco lights. Uh, the killer, here's where Donna and all of her friends are staying because Donna's boy, uh, Lisa's boyfriend uh, just asks for the key at the desk and aware of his surroundings. So uh, the killer then says he wants to stay on the third floor. Yeah, he's quite lucky that he got the choice. I yeah. Mean, I, I can honestly... I, we've been to hotels, and mm. especially if it was as busy as it was that prom oh, yeah. night. But yeah, he had free choice of where to he stay. He had free choice of where, what floor he wanted to stay. So he, he, follows, uh, he follows Lisa's boyfriend, and uh, he sees the room they're going, and he wants a room nearby. So what he does is... Uh, or is it the exact room? 
Where does he go? I think he just goes into another room. But either way, he has his key card and says that his one isn't working to this uh, towel lady called Maria. Come on, stereotypes. Yeah. She is, of course, Hispanic. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he tells her it's broken. So, oh, there's a scratch on it after he's like completely destroyed it with a knife. And uh, she lets him into the room and he murders her. Why? We have no fucking idea. No. So we can get her master key. Uh, okay. But I'm sure, you know... Well, I mean, yes, yeah, suppose so. But still, he kills everyone in this film. Yeah. So he's... he's it's, it's so strange. We'll explain afterwards. Yeah. So, um, so he, he kills the towel lady. Detective Wynn tells Donna's family about, the, uh, about him being on the loose... And uh, her aunt drops a plate in very dramatic slow motion fashion. <laughs> um, the killer watches Donna in her room, doesn't decide to do anything about it. Um, he just lets her, you know, carry on with her business. Mm. Uh, sad Claire arrives, she's really upset um, about her boyfriend pissing her off or whatever. So Donna gives her some pills for some reason and leaves her alone in the room. Uh, she is then killed by the killer. Detective Wynn arrives at the prom, decides to not tell Donna that the guy who murdered her family is on the loose, potentially at that hotel, because they want her to enjoy the prom. She deserves it. <laughs> we get a very American school montage. Again, where everyone is like, oh, oh my God, oh, oh, oh. Like, throughout the whole thing. Oh, yeah, like, um... PowerPoint presentation of uh-huh. photos. With really cheesy music. Another member of staff is killed in hilarious fashion. He, he's looking for Maria the Tower Lady. And uh, he gets invited into uh, the killer's room. And uh, we see a quick flash of him going, ah! <laughs> And then that ends. Yeah, so this one was pointless. That kill was pointless. Uh... Lisa bumps into the killer and she says his eyes look familiar and she just can't put her finger on who it is. So they're about to uh, crown queen and king of the prom. They think it's going to be Lisa and her boyfriend. So naturally they decide to go and have sex. Um, They go up to uh, the room and uh, she still, she can't put her finger on who that was that she saw. The police find a dead body in the boot of a car. Still don't decide to tell Donna. That, you know, the killer is most definitely there now. Lisa then realises who it was, pre-sex, and before her boyfriend was about to propose to her, and uh, runs off. She runs to tell Donna, she falls down the stairs, which, I mean, at this point she didn't even know anyone was chasing her, she fell down the stairs. Then uh, the killer pops up, and he's like, why the rush? She (laughs) continues running, he chases her and slits her throat. Uh... Detective Wynn then finds Maria, the towel lady, and he pulls the fire alarm. And uh, everyone's asked to leave. Again, they don't specifically find Donna, the person who is actually really in danger. So they, uh, the bitchy girls find out that Lisa and her boyfriend were going to be prom queen and king. After this, Donna goes, there's a fire alarm gone off, potentially a fire as far as Donna knows. It's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go back and get my mum's scarf. Why? Why the fuck would you go back into a building that everyone's running out of because there's a fucking fire to get a fucking scarf? Mm-hmm. 
So she did. She goes back to her room, takes the lift as well. <laughs> takes the fucking lift. <laughs> the killer finally confronts her, has a bit of a chase. She hides under the bed, you know, originality. Finds a corpse next to her and uh, the killer escapes. Donna escapes. And uh, after this, Detective Wynn and his team stay at the hotel to investigate and find him. Whereas uh, Detective Nash goes back to the house with Donna and a boyfriend. And they have a really strong handshake, him and her uncle, don't they? Yeah, they do actually. A really strong handshake that had to be pointed out to the point they zoomed in on it and stayed on it for a while. For some reason they zoomed in on the handshake. Yeah. Um, So we find out then that Detective Wynn has a flashback and realises... That the killer walked straight past him. But he didn't realise at the time. But he just realised later on. Well, it's no. It's a scene completely stolen from Silence of the Lambs. Where there's a body in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he... Oh, actually, in fairness. See, he killed that guy. Um, the guy who worked there. Mm-hmm. And stole his uniform. Mm-hmm. I mean, as as far as the killer... At that point, he didn't even know he, he needed to steal know. his uniform. He didn't know that he needed to steal his uniform. So it's completely pointless death. But he stole his uniform and walked out. Mm. Clearly making eye contact with Idris Elba yeah. on the way out. From Idris Elba's flashback, when he realises why the guy isn't dressed... He fucking spoke to him. He spoke to him. They looked at each other and spoke... The whole idea is that this guy had a haircut and a shave... And he's fucking incognito. Yeah. You yeah. know? We're... Until someone has a flashback and realises Until someone seen has him. a flashback. So, Idris Alba then makes his way back to the house. Donna has a dream about the killer for some reason. <laughs> she has another the, dream. A completely unnecessary dream sequence that is repeated at, straight after in the same fashion yeah. without the interesting part where she gets killed. Yeah. Detective Wynn gets to the house, realises Detective Nash is dead. Donna realises her boyfriend's dead. They both had their throat slits the exact same place. Didn't realise he was so precise. Uh, Wynn arrives. Killer grabs Donna in a wardrobe. Why? Uh, Another cop is dead outside. Wynn shoots the killer and we get a slow-mo of the prom dancing during the credits. Happy ending. So, it's not a happy ending, is it? Well, it is because we get to see some happy dancing. <laughs> um, let's get into comparisons. So, cinematography, scares, and soundtrack. It's <laughs> so, a fucking point. Okay, cinematography. <laughs> um, the the original does have that weird hazy yeah, so like filter Carrie, yeah. that Carrie has. Um, clearly, d- yeah. The more I think about, it, the more. I think Prom Night just tried to copy it. It really did try to copy it. <laughs> but it made Terry. it fun, whatever. It looks good. Yeah, it's all right. It, it's very 1980. I um, think there's there's some very memorable shots. I mean, yeah. you know, the killer sneaking up on Monobrow before he kills him. You know, the, the, the whole van thing. The van, yeah. So when her head falls yeah. out of the van, um, I, th- I think the uh, loose head on stage, that's, you know, that's a great shot. 
Yeah, um, I which, mean... Which was quite clearly the actor just poking his head out. I know, yeah. Saturday night, Jamie Lee Curtis fever, dance sequence. I mean, do we need to say any more? nicely shot. You know, it's it's really well made. Um, the scares, do you know what? It's decent. Uh, it, you know, it does everything a slasher film needs to do in the department of scares and kills and gore. You know, it's not over the top, but it's not non-existent. Yeah, I think some of the kills are quite dry. Yeah. Um, but the the setups to some of the kills uh, are good, you yeah. know. And we get a beheading, so that's always uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, of course, you've been waiting to go further into detail about the soundtrack. Yes, so the soundtrack is um, amazing. Mm. It wasn't sh- released until recently. Was it not? It was like 2016, maybe. Oh, so it wouldn't have had a release at the time. No, no. I would have been surprised because there would have been a bit of extra income. Yeah. Um, the songs were all original, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been an issue with copyrights or anything like that. Um, which I didn't realise till recently is why a, a lot of films struggle to get releases on DVD and Blu-ray um, is because of the music rights. Um, we we were talking about um, it's an old Diane Keaton film looking for uh, Mr. Goodbar uh, and that's really struggling to get any sort of release because of the music rights. And I think that potentially is an issue for Pink Flamingos here in the UK. Because that uses a lot of uh, music, doesn't it? Yeah. Already released music. So I'm surprised it, the, the Prom Night didn't come out on um, vinyl back in the day. It, I think it is now. I mean, yeah. I, I, I listened to it on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Um, and the instrumental soundtrack isn't particularly memorable, to be fair. It's those disco songs and ballads that are the best. Yes. What's your favourite one? Uh, Fade to Black. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it not a problem that I think is all right? Oh, it might be Changes, actually. <laughs> changes, changes, changes. Um, <laughs> 2008, cinematography, scares, kills, gore and soundtrack. Okay, gore, ah! non-existent. There's a little splash of blood. Uh, scares, non-existent. It's, uh, it's so stupid, it takes you out of the film. It really does. It's awful. It's some of the laziest cinematography I've ever seen. Yeah. It is literally oh. like watching an MTV drama. It's like a Pitbull music video. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. Soundtrack, fuck me. Was it, I, I don't know. I can't. The only song that I remember is Time of the Season because I was so offended by it. It is, it's just so forgettable, the soundtrack. There's nothing to it at all. At one point they say they're going to play some JT and it's this really cheap Justin Timberlake impersonator. Yeah, but the thing is, they, they made a big deal. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get the DJ to play some JT. Yeah, come back. It's going to be some JD, D, JD. <laughs> some, J, some Jack Daniels could do with one of them whilst watching the film. <laughs> uh, some JT playing. Never gets played. Of course no. it doesn't get played. You can't afford a fucking Justin Timberlake song. <laughs> Why are you talking this shit for? And they say, no, it's playing now. It's JT. And it is literally, it's not Justin Timberlake. No. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> yeah. Unless it, well, it wouldn't have been when it had the wide release, would it? And they've had to no, replace no, it for no. the, whatever no. Netflix. I, I don't think Justin Timberlake was ever in that film. No. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, the whole filmmaking aspect to it is lazy. Yeah, It's so lazy. They've literally just thrown it together. Um, 
Man, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's infuriating, it really is, because, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other, you know, well-intended indie horror films out there that didn't get the green light whilst this did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we used to get shit like this released theatrically. Um, yeah, it's just bullshit. Yeah. So, of course, the, the original wins on all accounts. I, I don't even need to tell you that. No. Um, characters. So, 1980. It's hard to compare this, considering there's no connection between the two. So, I'll list off the characters. You've got Jamie Lee Curtis, who plays Kim. Anne-Marie Martin plays Wendy. Joy Thompson plays Jude. Mary Beth Rubens plays Kelly. Michael Tuff plays Alex the Killer. And Leslie Nelson plays Mr. Hammond. So, they're your main Nielsen. characters. Leslie Nielsen. They're your main characters. Um, obviously, there's a lot of characters in the film, but these are ones worth mentioning. Um, I mean, obviously, Jamie Lee Curtis is phenomenal in everything she's in. She's always the best part of everything she's in. She's just... Yeah. In in, in the original Prom Night, Jamie Lee Curtis is really the only character I remember. Yeah. And, um, and she's and very much... A character is very much similar to Laurie Stride in that she's, you know, yeah. she's just a normal school kid. She's she's not really that memorable to be fair. I mean, it's it's an early eighties slasher film. Mm. You know, uh, there's not many discernible characteristics about any of the characters in the film. She's a strong character because I mean, once you get to the third act, she does that entire dance sequence and dedicates it to the fucking bitchy girl to say to her, "Look, fuck you. Look at how I could dance." Yeah, she stands her ground. You know, she protects her boyfriend against the killer. Um, you know, it, it's very much... She She is the strongest character in the film, without a doubt. Yeah, but she doesn't have to really be strong till the end. It, yeah. It's a, it's a weird one. Well, no one has to do much until the end, really, do they? No. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to do the comparison between the two because they are such different characters. Um, I don't know, it's, it's hard. It tends to be... You know, um, Kim is memorable because she's Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than Kim, Kim is memorable because, um, you know, she's psychic. Or <laughs> If it was Eve Plum, then probably uh, she probably wouldn't be as memorable. Yeah. And then the other characters are just bitchy. Well, this is why I mentioned them all at once. Because there's no really, not, no one really that memorable. I mean, you've got Wendy, who's the bitch. Yeah, okay, she has a few good lines. Um, but she's every bitchy character in every 80s slasher film. Mm-hmm. Jude and Kelly are every friends in every 80s slasher film. There's nothing really that stands out about them. Yeah, I can't I can't believe that they could be friends with her knowing that they killed her sister. I know, yeah. You know, I, I don't get that, how they could be friends. At least fucking Wendy had the, you know, at least she was just a bitch. Mm. But the others were just, what, undercover murderers of her sister. In regards to the killer, Michael Tuff playing Alex, uh, I think it, I, I really like the killer in this film. Like, I mean, in both ways, really, he's a likable character, and I like the whole idea of the balaclava, the glittery suit and balaclava. It, it looks really, I don't know, it, it's uh, it's sometimes the most simplistic looks are the most threatening. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, he's got his knife and his axe. He, he's a memorable killer. It, it's, yeah, he, he makes for a lot of good scenes. Yeah, yeah, and he, he you know, good motive as well. It's a bit like Scream as well, actually, because um, he's quite clumsy. Yeah, you know, he's he's a real person. He, mm-hmm. It's not Jason, um, takes Manhattan style. Yeah, um, big green zombie underneath. 
you know, it, it's a bit of realism there. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Leslie Nielsen um, plays Mr. Hammond. I've only got a Danny Ming because it's Leslie Nielsen. I mean, you know, like we said, yeah. he does what he needs to do. His only discernible characteristic, characteristic is that he's Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Um, and I, I found, and I find it a lot with these sort of slasher films, is that the, the most memorable part tends to be a physical attribute. Yeah. So, Lou... You know, Monobra. in five years' time, if I said, oh, do you remember Lou from Prom Night? What are you going to say? <laughs> Monobrow. Monobrow. You know, if... Uh, <laughs> like, um, what was her name? Jude's boyfriend. Her slick. Slick, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was a bit of a geek, wasn't he? He looked mm. a bit of a geek. Uh, and then that tends to be the only characteristics, because the personalities are interchangeable. Yeah. But... They're a whole lot better than what we've got here in 2008. Oh, God. We've got Brittany Snow playing Donna, Jessica Strout playing Claire, Dana Davis playing Lisa, Brianne Davis playing Chrissy, uh, Jonathan Scheich, S-C-H-A-E-C-H playing Richard the Killer, and Idris Elba playing Detective Wynn. So Brittany Snow as Donna, Jesus Christ. I like Britney Snow in, in what I've seen yeah, her with. Same. She seems like a nice girl. Um, she was awful in this. Yeah, I, I don't know why she forgot to act. Yeah. Because every scene she's saying, you don't believe a thing she's saying. It, it's it's like a school production. It's like a play. It's. And as a character, she really pissed me off. Yeah. Because she was the one who was in danger. In the original, it turns out Jamie Lee Curtis was never in danger. She, she never was. No, no. Whereas in this film, she is in danger. Yeah. And I said it whilst we were watching it. This man has killed everyone you love. Mm. Literally, he has killed everybody you love. Yeah. You know, that's the point where you start sticking up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Do you know what? Fuck this. Let's go. Yeah. Rather than hiding in another fucking closet. Yeah. Or hiding from him. And I know this isn't real life. In, you know, if it happened to me, I don't know how I would react. But as somebody watching a slasher film, I want to see her go fucking apeshit yeah. on him. She never does. You look at, like Laurie Strode in the original Halloween. Yeah. She was, you know, she was a little wimpy at times. But it got to that point. She was like, you know what, fuck this. Here's a knitting needle in the yeah. eye. You know, I'm going to, you know. Yeah, Donna never once attempts to protect herself. No. She hides. That's yeah. it. She doesn't try fighting him, nothing. It is, this, this entire film is based around her and not ruining her prom night. No matter who the fuck's murdered, oh my God, all yeah. the people murdered around her, don't give a shit. As long as it doesn't ruin her prom night, that's the main thing. It is such a selfish concept. And the thing is, it wasn't wasn't necessarily her in danger. It was her in danger because he would probably kidnap her. Yeah. And which which is why it's so weird that he becomes this slasher killer. Mm. Um, when all he really wanted was her. Yeah. You know, I, I could understand why he killed the family because he thought they were hiding her. Yeah. Mm. I can understand that. But why has he suddenly become this guy hanging around in a hotel room randomly killing people? Yeah. When all he wants is just to to kidnap Donna, I'm mm. assuming. I mean, the jig is up. He's already been to prison. If they find him, he's going back. So we might as well get her and run away. Mm. Um, 
But no, he just waits in the hotel room and yeah. kills random people. And whenever he actually gets the chance, he doesn't do anything with no. Donna. You know, he doesn't kidnap her. He doesn't try to kidnap her. He doesn't do anything like that. Um, so really, it was never Donna in physical danger. No. It was all her friends. Mm-hmm. So making sure she wanted a good prom night got her friends killed. Yeah. She probably didn't give a shit about it either. She, like, when it gets to the end, she pretty much forgets about her friends anyway. Like, she just moves on. She's more upset by her boyfriend, to be yeah. fair. Um, Jessica Strope as Claire, forgettable, whatever. Dana Davis as Lisa, again, forgettable. She just, what, she realises who the killer is at one point. She was a likeable character, but she makes some really dumb decisions. Yeah. So, number one, she's really looking forward to the announcement of prom queen. <laughs> she really wants it. She really wants to be prom queen. And her boyfriend's... And this is really close to the announcement. Mm. And her boyfriend's like, oh, let's go upstairs. And they do. Yeah. Even though they're up for prom queen and king and end up winning. So they're getting it on on the bed before she realises who she saw being mm. the killer. And he has a ring there, ready to propose. He's a selfish prick. Because <laughs> this was something that was really important to her. And he took her away from that. Because when he was about to propose, mm-hmm. was literally before the announcement. Yeah. So they would never have had enough time. Which is... I don't think... Character flaw, I think it's shit writing, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. I, I know what I said. Um, but it's shit writing. It's one of these films that falls into the category of films that are like... They act like they were written by a 12-year-old. Yeah. It, it really... Like, I, I can imagine a child writing this, like... And then, uh, and then the romantic boy takes her upstairs and tries to ask her to marry him, and then the bad killer comes along and kills her. That's literally all it is. But, um, uh, you know, if I'd read the script, I would have been like, well, why did they do that? Why would they do that? Mm. No normal person would do that. No one would do that. You know, it's stupid. It's illogical. Yeah. And it's all set up. So people can be killed in a film where they didn't really need to be killed. No. You know, it was illogical that he he was that kind of killer anyway. Yeah. Oh, horror remakes in the 2000s. They really did not give a it's shit about their so audience. So lazy, such lazy writing. Uh, Brian Davis is Chrissy. She's not even a good bitch. She's the bitchy character, but she's not even good at it. Well, she hasn't got much screen time. Well, she, no. she don't really don't do much. No, forgettable. Mm. Uh, and then Richard the Killer. Okay, there's no mystery in this film at all. You don't always need mystery, but come on. Fucking seriously, it takes any sort of suspense away from it. You see him straight away, you know who he is. With a shitty fucking disguise because he had a haircut and a shave and wore a cap. Yeah. And, and I really, I don't understand why people said he's the best thing about this film. Nothing is the best thing about this film. Everything was shit. My favourite part with him was uh, when he escapes prison. And it's literally, so it cuts to him escaping. um, And it's literally, he kills his cellmate. And then he just sort of goes up into the roof. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's not further explained after that. Because he's the fucking Terminator in this film. He is in, he's invincible. He's killing everybody he comes into contact with. He is a killing machine. He's psychic. Why? Why has he got all these special powers? He can disappear when someone turns around quickly. Mm -hmm. Why? He, they're painting him out to be human. Why has he got all these powers? It's fucking bullshit. He, there's nothing threatening about him at all. 
Again, it's lazy writing. Yeah, and again, he's got a massive backstory because we're in a fucking remake in 2008. We have to have a massive backstory. A year before this, we had an hour of Michael Myers in the Halloween remake and his backstory. We, why? Why does a horror remake think that audience members are fucking dumb? Why do they think they've got to have all this backstory so then they can believe this character is a killer? Like, oh, he's obsessed with her. He did this, he did that. The original, he saw his sister get killed. It was going to be her first prom night. That's it. Yeah. Simple. It works. It makes sense. This. He had to... He was obsessed with her. He was a teacher. He had a restraining order. He killed a family to get to her. Then he had a shave and everything. So he's not recognisable. Then he escaped prison. Then he did this. Then he did that. And then Don't he, need he, it. He killed a guy so that he could steal his identity in his car. Yeah. He left the guy in the back of the car. You know... Setting up more explanations. Yeah. It always has to... There always has to be some sort of twist or some revelation mm. every 15 minutes yes yeah. it's a body count of 13 we don't need that many kills no no and they're so and the kills are all dry yeah the kills are never the correct person the, the bitch doesn't die i couldn't name to you my favorite kill from this film you had a better concept for lisa's death than the filmmakers had yeah i said by the time it got to lisa's uh death i, I i'd already had enough and I said to Gary, I said, um, he better throw her on the fucking prom stage when she's announced as the winner. Uh, and I'll give it an extra star. Unfortunately, that didn't no, happen. No, it um, would have been way better. But that would have been quite an enjoyable death scene. Uh, and then finally, we have Idris Elba as Detective Wynn. Uh, poor Idris Elba. Was he struggling at this point? He, he must have been because he is fucking dreadful in this again he's lucky he forgot how to act i think he was trying so hard with the american accent and i i I think the filmmakers probably said to him well we don't just want an american accent don't just give us an american accent i i don't know if he's going for a boston accent yeah but it's british it's British and American, just yeah. constantly in and out. He's struggling so hard, and I think he's concentrating so much on getting a very specific accent. Because it's not just... I mean, we can all do an American accent, mm. but he's trying so hard to get a specific American accent. Forgive me, I don't know which one he's going for. Boston, New York, uh, I don't know. It's it's not Southern. Uh, it's not... It, it's most South. noticeable in the scene where they find out that the killer's escaped. It's like... Well, have you told her aunt and uncle? It's like, yeah. what? what, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But bless him, he's concentrating so much on that. He, he, <laughs> he hasn't got the energy to act. <laughs> yeah, he goes full CSI. And it, um, he looks like a serious detective. It just doesn't work out completely for Completely unnecessary. It's completely unnecessary for the detectives to be part of this story. I don't know why the police are part of this story. Mm. Um, I'm assuming this is after Saw. Oh, yeah, of course it is, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm assuming they just threw the police in there for Saw. Of course it is, because there's a scene where the killer comes out of the wardrobe and it's that, like, fast-paced editing that you get in Saw um, when the the person with the pig mask appears, except in Saw, that normally happens through dark lighting. But this scene, it's uh, Claire's boyfriend and the wardrobe... He he opens the wardrobe, which is set up for so many scares before this and never goes anywhere... And he opens this wardrobe, looks straight into it, somehow can't see the killer who's wearing light-coloured oh, trousers yeah. and a brown jacket and a dark cap, can't see him, 
this very white killer, but you, you can't see him in there, and he lifts his head up, and then he has this fast jump cut where he rushes towards him, and it looks hilarious, because it's in, it's really well lit, so you can see it happen, and it just looks stupid, it looks so fucking stupid, the whole setup for that scene is stupid. Yeah, how deep are these fucking wardrobes? I know, but he wasn't even that far in. No. He was somehow camouflaged. <laughs> so it goes without saying all of the characters of 1980 even the ones that couldn't act they all win over 2008 which brings me to the conclusion of course 1980 fucking is like an Oscar winning masterpiece compared to Prom Night 2008 yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's for all its flaws Prom Night is a fun film to watch mm. you know is it breaking the mould? Not really. Um, the slasher film mould, it's, it's really not. Uh, does it wear its influences on its sleeve? Yes, very mm-hmm. heavily. Yeah. It's very obvious. Um, but it injects a bit of fun into it. Mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis is always a pleasure to watch on screen in anything that she does, including Virus. Um <laughs> Uh, I, if you don't know what I mean, uh, we did a podcast on virus a while ago, didn't we? Yes. So listen to that one, um, if you want to understand what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's got a funky soundtrack, cheesy, camp, you know, yeah. some interesting kills, a fairly interesting premise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it wins overall in every single yeah. aspect. In 2008 says nothing redeemable. Not a single damn thing. 2008 doesn't know what it wants to be, um, which is obvious because at points it wants to be a horror film, at other points it wants to be a teen drama, at other points it wants to be an episode of CSI Mm. or a fucking Saw ripoff, and it fails in all of those. Yeah. Every single one of those aspects because it's lazily written... It bears absolutely no resemblance to the original. No. Uh, the title, Prom Night, makes very little sense. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like a cheap cash-in on the original. Yeah. And on the remakes that were happening at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just poor. It's very, very poor in every sense. Yeah. You know, I'm uh, I'm sorry... You know, if I've offended anyone, I hope no one who made it listens if, uh, to this. But... If, you know, if, if anyone you don't like ever asks you for a film recommendation, talents do a double bill of When a Stranger Calls remake and Brown Light remake. They'll love it. <laughs> so, on to our best and worst of the month. Yeah. So, of course, this month has been Pride Month, so we've watched strictly just LGBTQ plus related films. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like to go first? Yeah, so my best of the month. got a fair few of them, actually. So if you so when we say LGBT, it's just films with an aspect of um, LGBT. Yeah. So Diabolics, um, Sunday Bloody Sunday, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, Funeral Parade of Roses, Zootopia. I watched for the first time. Really enjoyed that film. Uh, and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, the old Marilyn Monroe film. Really enjoyed that. So, um, yeah, so they've all got slight aspects yeah. of queerness yeah. in it, some some not so obvious. Uh, but they're the films I really enjoyed. Uh, the worst films... The worst films... Have you not got a, a number one? 
best. What would you say is the absolute best? The best of those films that we watched, probably Diabolics. Mm. Um, or Zootopia. Night of the Hunter? Night of the, I'd already watched Night of the Hunter. Oh, yeah, you had, yeah. Um, my worst for the month is How to Talk to Girls at Parties. <laughs> so disappointing. Really made absolutely no sense. Yeah, talk about accents. Fuck me. Yeah, um, really didn't enjoy that. Actually, probably the worst film I watched is Prom Night. Yeah. <laughs> or there's also a film that we watched randomly on Amazon Prime. It was meant to be... This the, is my worst. Uh, the first gay Australian film. It's yeah, from like yeah. the 60s the, or, or early 70s. It's called The Set. Uh-huh. And it should have been called The Shit. Mm. Because it's it was so boring. Awful. We switched it off. Yeah. Um, my worst is The Set. For the reason, because we switched it off. Although it came close to uh, Lacasia Falls, I believe is how it's pronounced. Yeah. It, it came very close to being that, but the set has to be my absolute worst because we turned it off. It was yeah. unwatchable. I, I've said it time and time again. I can forgive a lot of things apart from boring films. But it's not even that. It's it's the, the gay representation as well was ridiculous. Like, it was weird. You have... Uh, a straight character is at a party with a gay character and the gay character bets that he could sleep with him and to do this he date rapes him and this is meant to be like the first LGBT Australian film with positive representation fuck off how's that positive yeah it's true uh, it's, it's bullshit it has no fucking plot it's just bullshit it's awful don't even bother trying to watch it my best of the month uh, again like Chris I have some runner, runners up uh, Moonlight uh, it was the first time watching me, Night of the Hunter, Black Swan, Knife and Heart. is a very, very good modern-day giallo, um, gay giallo film um, that I absolutely can't recommend enough. It, it's fantastic. You really enjoyed it, didn't you? Yeah, that was great. Um, so, so good. Um, of course, Diabolique, um, you know, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot we watched we, that. We've watched great. a lot of great films. We did, actually. Um, but my number one is absolutely Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Because uh, that's my new film of the year. So it'd be wrong to not put it for my film of this month as well. It, you know, it's it released this year. Uh, it's on Mubi. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the least said about it, the better. But it is a romantic drama revolving two women... Um, basically in the middle of nowhere and one's a painter and that's all I'm saying just watch it for yourself it's a romantic drama that it just really captures you it has some of the most beautiful cinematography I've ever seen in my life I think it got overshadowed by Parasite I think it did if, if that had been nominated for best uh, foreign picture the same year as another film that wasn't Parasite it probably would have won yeah yeah it's, it's a fantastic film um, I think it tends to be the case of uh, we only focus on one foreign language film a year. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this year was Parasite. Well, well not unfortunately, unfortunately, I mean, no, I mean that is one of the best films you know I've, I've watched in a of long all time. time. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but it's a shame for Portrait of a Lady on Fire yeah. because it's sort of had to take a back seat. Yeah, it's fucking great. Just watch it. Or why don't we just be able to focus on more than one foreign I know, yeah. yeah. Hopefully that might change from now on with the new Oscar rules. Um, So, yeah. um, If you are listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, like, or follow, and everything else. Talk to us about Prom Night on social media. 
Uh, I mean, try and explain to us why you enjoyed a remake. <laughs> no, d- don't tell us that. <laughs> tell us what your favourite song from the original is. Thank you. Horrorcult Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcult Trash on Twitter. I'm Gazmed205 on Instagram. DeadoutGaz92 on Letterboxd and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 um, on Instagram, Letterboxd and Twitter. <laughs> And uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. But before then, we're going to let you fade to black. Bye.